Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, a combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight breakdowns, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 210 of the Level Change Podcast. I say that because I just can't get over how many episodes we have. But anyways, I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined as always by my amazing co-host, Victor Rodriguez. And today we'll be discussing the PFL's biggest highlights from their pay-per-view, Conor McGregor's testing status, the possibility of a Sterling Cejudo title showdown, and more. But first, I gotta know, Victor, are you still as amped for UFC 282 now that the main event has changed to, um, well, something else? <laughs> I'm more than okay with it. I'm I'm fine with it. I mean, it's it's still shaping up to be a pretty good card. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, these things are gonna happen. We've had bigger disappointments happen. Uh, we've had... Um, bigger uh sets of events fall apart you know the cursed western canada mighty mouse events that they can't stage <laughs> like the only fight that was left was like mighty mouse versus whatever title challenger he was up against and then it was like you know seven or eight other guys that were banging around on the local scene that was um those were some very trying times so this right now i mean yeah i guess maybe i'm conditioned to not be as uh as hurt by it it's unfortunate it is what it is and uh, you know, the, thing, the only thing I can really hope for is that um, that Yuri uh, gets the speedy and full recovery that uh, you know he's expected to have. Indeed, I'm kind of miffed at the UFC for not letting Glover either have a couple extra weeks to have a full fight camp for Ankalaev, or just letting him fight Big Yan because you know what, Big Yan is still in the main event. What? What difference would it have made except for maybe added a few buys if you let Glover in there to fight Big Yawn? But, you know, then you have Ankalaev ass out. So, I mean, mm. I don't know. I'm just a little bit perturbed because Glover's time is running out. And I'm, I want to see him back in there ASAP. So now we've got two other guys fighting for a title. And... Glover's ass out again. Yeah, I mean, it could be Glover. Maybe he requested this. Maybe he's no, like, you know, did. I'll stick with what I'm doing now. I don't know. What he, he requested did. was give me a couple extra weeks for, to fight Ankalaev. If you're determined for me to, for it to be Ankalaev, give me a couple extra weeks. Oh. And okay. then he said, I'll fight Jan tomorrow. And uh. they said no to both. <laughs> and so okay. now we're having a, an actual official title, not an interim, which I would have been fine with if they just made this interim and let Yuri sit out. But Yuri being Mr. Bushido warrior of the world voluntarily gave up his belt for them so that they could do this. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Well, is he getting a stipend for being champion I have no wild not fight. Like I don't, I don't, I understand the prestige of it all and everything. But at some point, I kind of also, if you're not doing anything, if you're on the shelf, I mean, then again, you're still giving away guaranteed, more close to guaranteed money, unless he wasn't getting pay per view points, which would be a rarity in this era for a champion to not get one. 
Well, um, and his injury is expected to be six months to one year. I would have been fine with an interim belt and just as long as he stays within a year, 15 months, that would be the top end would be 15 months after that. Then you strip him. But before that, see, we're so conditioned to having title fights on the line that they are really ramping up with the interim belts. Okay, fine. That guarantees who's going to be the next title uh, challenger. But in the instances like this, when it would have worked, they go backwards and they do something entirely different. There is literally no consistency in the UFC right now, and it bugs the shit out of me. So now we've got a a full-on title fight happening with a promise to Yuri that he gets to come back and fight whoever wins out of this. So where does that leave Glover? You know, by the time Mm -hmm. his turn comes around again, he may already be retired. And that totally sucks for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he's, he's grilling steaks in Connecticut in the meantime. (laughs) Yes. Yes, he is. So we are going to jump into last night's PFL. Now for the folks out there going last night, well, we record a couple of days early, just so you know, because Victor's been working doubles and uh, we had to, you know, we got to squish some things around, maneuver, rearrange to make these time, these time frames work for us. So this, this vampire hunting business, it's, it's, it's very taxing. It, it, it really is, takes. He is the third Winchester brother. <laughs> I'm sure of it. Hey, there's a reference I got. I like that. Good yes. Stuff. Oh, are you a supernatural fan? No, but I, I, I'm familiar with the name. Okay, you need to be, because it's awesome. But anyway, all oh. right. We are going to jump into this PFL card, and it was good. I, I don't know that it was $50 good, but it was pretty damn good. I, I was I was entertained. Now, I didn't get to see all of the fights. I basically tuned in. Um, I believe it was right after the Jeremy Stevens fight, but I did get to see the highlight of that. I also got to see the highlight of the very first fight. Biagio Ali Walsh. And if you guys don't recognize that name, this is Muhammad Ali's grandson. And he went in there and he knocked out Tom Grazner in 45 seconds. And the highlight is all over Twitter. So if you just type in Biagio Ali Walsh, you'll find it or PFL or in anything like that, fight highlights, whatever. I'm sure you'll find it. It was, it was a pretty gnarly Pretty gnarly right cross knockout. Victor, did you get to see the highlight of that? I got to see the whole thing, and I'm still mystified as to why you would fight the grandson of Muhammad Ali and decide, no, I will stand and box with this man. <laughs> what does he know about fisticuffs? I've got this. I will do so and succeed. <laughs> Bitch, I swear to God. Like, I just, I, <laughs> I sat there just like, when, 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 when Biagio landed the knockout and he just kind of like walked away, I'm like, was this really going to go any other way? Was there any other potential? Like, come on, this this was this was what needed to happen, and it happened. And I mean, there's that. I guess <laughs> it's just uh, another. Um, it was a fun amateur bout, believe it or not, that PFL had put on. I, I know they've done this at some point in the past, at least once. But um, interesting that they did it with him. I would hope that this would lead to either another outing at amateur or that he uh, get uh, signed to a pro contract or something. But very, very interesting way to start off the event. Indeed. And and good name value for the event, too, because they really drilled it home. 
Yeah. All right. We're going to skip around because, like I said, not all fights are are, uh, equal. But I will light down on this particular one. Gleason T-Bow taking on Magomed Magomed Karimov. And Magomed Magomed Karimov uh, beat him in a unanimous decision. It's still very hard to finish Gleason T-Bow. But, old man, T-Bow, Victor, I'm looking at his record here. 36 and 17 now. That is impressive. I mean, here's a guy who left the UFC, had some, uh, I guess, uh, what, what what should we call it? Misadventures, I guess, in uh, mm-hmm. uh, having having a, a four-fight losing skit after having an, a, a career known for being indestructible, mm-hmm. a win against Escudero, and then he just pretty much goes off. I mean, this, is, this was at the uh, Golden Boy event, by the way. So his first UFC, post-UFC event was that he wins against Will Brooks, in 2019, he beats Rory McDonald in the last year in the other tournament. And so he's had some respectable showings. This is his second year with PFL. And, you know, it was a loser bracket fight. And I can't remember. I think it was either Big John McCarthy or somebody else would mention that it looked like a sparring session, which made sense because they had both trained at American Top Team. Mm-hmm. And that immediately, like, oh, this makes a bit more sense. I mean, I'm not saying that they went easy on purpose, but I think there's maybe a bit of, um, you know, a, a bit more careful maneuvering taking place when you've got guys that have trained before and kind of have an idea of what each other can do well, and you don't want any part of those things that they do well. So I can see that. I, I guess that's not something that um, I'd be mad at. It wasn't a very exciting fight. It was fine. It was just another weird uh 175 pound catch weight that seems to have been cobbled together last minute and it's it was serviceable it's fine now we're gonna get to jeremy stevens <laughs> and i i have to laugh here because in the lead up to this fight the interviews were absolutely ridiculous insane i mean he's out there talking about you know i I see all these serial killer documentaries and everything and people out there talking this and that but I have a real desire and I have to tame it and I have to fight and I have to, I need violence and I need this and this and this and this. And, and then in one minute and 32 seconds of round number two, your ass got triangle choked by Natasha Schulte. And I just, I cannot stop laughing at some of the stuff that this guy says. This is also the guy that has the giant cross on his back that, preaches from on Mount High in frequently in interviews who thanks his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ after every single fight. You know, I can't do anything without God except go out and serial kill. So I got to have violence in my life. Victor. Yeah, I look, I, I think I've made this abundantly clear in the past. I really don't like anything that has to do with fighters talking about killing mm-hmm. or death. Right. I mean, Frank Mir was saying something. You remember back in the day? Oh, it's going to be the first death in the octagon. Nobody, we're not here for that. No one is tuning in for that. For this, this uh, faces of death. You know, this this weird Frank Dukes Kumite conception of we did not agree to this. The State Athletic Commission did not agree to this. Your opponent who signed on the dotted line did not agree to this. It's not interesting, nor fun, nor compelling. It doesn't animate anyone. No one gets excited for that kind of talk. I mean, what what are we doing? Why? You don't need to do this. Nobody does. But, he, you know, eh, I'm not going to be too hard on Stevens for that. Um, 
he did talk a lot about how he wanted to go out there and do damage. And Schulte is not a pushover. This is a former champion, a guy who's done a, a who's been a true uh, homegrown talent for PFL, and uh, one of their brightest uh, points. You know, and not maybe the the most recognizable name brand star power guy, but he's good. He's one of those cats that, like, you really got to hand it to PFL. The way that they've done their scouting has been extraordinary. And the way that they found this guy and they put him in there like that, man, that's you, – you you have got to give them all the credit possible for it. And so if you didn't know before, now you do. Maybe this win, with, maybe this win over Stevens will give you a little bit more um, of a motive to, to, to look at this guy and be like, okay, they've got some certified good dudes. Or you could look at it the other way and be a pessimist and be like, well, Stevens is washed, which – I don't really know that that's the case. He's certainly not in his prime anymore, but uh, this was a winnable fight for him until it wasn't. And there you go. So the quote, I have to get the quote here because it just, it's still making me cackle a little bit. I'm probably more like a serial killer than anything. I got that thirst, like those urges, a Dahmer, a Bundy. I'm not highlighting any of these guys. What these guys did was sit, but something like that. I have but a, something like that. I okay, have a that's... thirst that I have to satisfy. It's not ever going to be satisfied until I go out there. This was ahead of Friday night's 2022 PFL championship. And it just cracked me up. And so Jeremy falls to 29 and 21. So he is in that journeyman phase right now. I mean, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, the the, the, bride, the nicest way to look at this now is at least he's within uh he's 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 at least someone who got enough kind of the, the same sort of name value that an anthony pattis would have that would not only just bring some attention but like you kind of have to put him in the tournament so he theoretically does have a shot at making a million next year million plus obviously with, you know with the purses and all so i don't know what that really i i would imagine that that's you know almost guaranteed for him as far as getting in the tournament, as far as him winning it, that's another story altogether. I can't vouch for that. Yeah. Marlon Moraes, dude, please, please retire and stay retired. Please. Oh, my goodness. What are we doing? Oh, my God. We're turning into Uncle Marlon now at this mm. point. He And once again, winning the fight until good night. Yeah. He tried to be uh, NCAA uh, uh Morais, and that that didn't work out too. Great. I mean, it worked out fine at first, mm-hmm. but Shaman uh, found the switch, and uh, he he kept he kept banging on that thing, like you know, it, it just uh, in some guys, man. I, I wouldn't have made this fight. Marlon should not have been fighting someone who was on a similar level of experience. Not if they were. I get why they made the fight, but Jesus Christ, do you even put him in the tournament after this? <laughs> You know, do you really? I suppose much like Stevens, right? Name recognition, well known and well liked by management and World Series of Fighting, and which is what PFL used to be. And a lot of the, um, you know, there, there's there's not too many people there from the old regime, but there are some. Recefo chief among them. Um, his manager is is very cozy with them, and that's already a given. Uh, yeah, I I guess they'll do something like that. But this inspiring confidence, not really. No. Yeah. Now we get into the championships. There were six title fights. We're going to oh, buzz saw through most of them because six, five round. This is the danger of the risk you run. Yeah. And so it, 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 it almost didn't pay off. Yeah. So in the 
interest of time, we're going to really mow this down quickly. Rob Wilkinson put on a phenomenal slobber knocker of a fight against Omari Akhmedov, got the stoppage in round two, but it for the entire time up until the stoppage, my God, the stoppage was in between the rounds, by the way, but man, that was something else. Rob Wilkinson very quietly left the UFC and became must-see TV mm-hmm. in very little time. And I don't know how long he's been with Factory X. Uh, I would imagine it hasn't been too long because he had a couple of fights post-UFC in Australia back in 2019 and then 2021. And then he joined PFL earlier this year, and it was just finishes. And it was just straight-up finishes, just knocking dudes out. Yep. And horribly. And he goes in there against Akhmedov, whom I gave credit to in the preview as well. He's another guy who doesn't look like the same Omar Akhmedov that fought in the UFC. You saw him at the end of round one. There was no, you know, I'm not sure who I would have given that round to, probably Wilkinson. But you see the grit that this dude showed. He was fired up, ready to go for round two. I'm like, okay, Omar, I see you. You know, he was giving it to him, man. They were going for it. This is a surprisingly great fight. All right, now we're going to get to, let's see here, Saribu C defeated Delano Taylor. That was at welterweight. Now we're going to move straight into Olivier Aubin-Mercier getting that massive right hook on Stevie Ray. Woo! It was so nice to see him finally get this tournament win. I loved it for him. Yeah, we just move right along from C and Taylor. Look. Folks, it's Steffi won't say it. In the interest of time, that I I mentioned that earlier. Steffi won't say it, but I will. It it wasn't fun. It It was was smart, but it wasn't fun. I went back and I looked at some of the highlights from this, and I was like, I'm not seeing anything. So I went and I watched the fight. Victor, it was (laughs) fucking awful. It wasn't good. It was. I mean, it's just. But that's what you're gonna get. You roll the dice every time. But hey, congratulations to see Uh another long time guy PFL, and he gets a million. Good for him. So, Stevie Ray versus uh, Olivier, that was a fun fight, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was an exciting, scrambly, uh, great fight. And then Stevie Ray, man, I felt so bad for him. You know, he, he goes from having one of the wildest upsets and defeating Anthony Pettis not once but twice. Uh, I, yeah, that that just – it, it kind of breaks your heart. But, hey, good for, uh, good for Olivier, man, Canadian gangster. He gets his cool million, too. And it's, again, the validation of – putting in all that work, maybe not getting to the apex of your career where you thought you would, and then suddenly you're just finding a very bankable avenue to make this happen. Mm-hmm. This is a great attraction for for anybody who is trying to be a free agent. I mean, you might be able to – this is the best advertising you could have. You, you, yes, you might be able to make that million if you come over here. It doesn't work for – it hasn't worked for Rory McDonald or Anthony Pettis. It probably isn't going to work for Stevens, but it's working with some of these other cats. Mm. Now we get to Aspen Ladd taking on Julia Budd. Now, this was a non-title bout, but it was on the main event. She got the split decision, and then she went on in an interview to say that her resume is better than Kayla's and uh, Larissa's. And that bothers me because Larissa is a black belt and a high-level black belt in jiu-jitsu. And Kayla is a two-time gold medalist, uh, Judica. One thing that I noticed with Kayla and with Larissa is how far their both of their games progressed. Even in that loss, Kayla ate huge shots and she got through it. 
she uh for the first time she got reversed and i mean there there were a whole bunch of things that went on in that fight she faced a lot of adversity and she made it through you know yeah. she did not get the win but she gave it her all and for aspen lad to come out here aspen lad who was once choked out by jermaine durandamy who has never ever gotten a submission you know i just hate the fact that she's out here talking all that yip yap when she hasn't performed well, she barely Listen. eked out a decision over Julia. Listen, I can see criticism of Kayla's uh, record, right? Yeah, Josette Cotton never really great at MMA. Moriel Charneski, her either. Morgan Fryer was brought in. These, these, like, there's there's a bunch of names here, people that were brought in basically to pad the division, right? Cindy Dandois, Mariana Moraes, uh, you know, Maria Marina Mognakina was a tougher opponent. Taylor Guardado was also very tough. Jenna Fabian still growing at the time. So I don't really like to count that as a, you know, as, as, as for or against her in any, in any, in any way. Really. But let me, let me, let me read some names to you. Anna yeah. Carolina Vidal, yeah. Kelly McGill Velasco, Jessica yes. Hoy, Amanda Bobby Cooper, mm-hmm. Sajara Eubanks, Lena Landsberg, Tanya Evinger, you know, these are women with losing records, big time losing records. Some of them I don't even know. So, Listen. I mean, when you're comparing name value, little Miss Aspen Lad, well, actually, you know, thick Miss Aspen Lad has some work to do herself on her resume. So she really should just be quiet and eat her food. The really, truly, the name that really stood out to me out of Aspen Lad's wins is Tanya Evinger, who was coming off the run of her life. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when she got to the UFC, injuries seemed to have added up and things didn't really go the way that, that she had wanted. But other than that, her best win is maybe Yana Kunitskaya. And I'm not trying to be insulting or dismissive, but Yana's not that good. Mm-hmm. So you look at her record and then you look at like Larissa Pacheco, who at least beat Sarah Coffin. Yeah. Who at least beat Carol Rosa, who at least defeated Irene Aldana. It was earlier in their careers, but she got that knockout. That's there. That's not going anywhere. Like, you can't, you want to say that about Kayla's record? I'll let you walk with it fine, but you don't get to say that about Larissa's record when she's got two wins against Elena Kolesnik, who is better than most of the wins that Aspen Line has had. It just, you don't get to do that. And, you know, you know what the worst thing is? We're going to get to it with Kayla Harrison and the stuff she was saying in the lead up. But when you start talking big like that, man, you better hope you don't slip on that ice. Yeah. But she actually, Kayla Harrison actually gave Larissa a lot of props in the lead up. I saw an interview just two, three days ago, right before the event that she gave with Ariel. And she was giving massive props to Larissa saying that she's changed a lot, that she's seen some stuff that really makes her be serious, take this fight seriously. Mm-hmm. And look what happened. Larissa won. But uh, I think Kayla is kind of a, a misunderstood entity. People want to give her shit because she's taken the money option. But let's remember, Kayla has kids. She adopted two children. I think it's two, right? Yeah, two. And as far as I know, she's still a single mom. She needs to do things for herself. And if there's an organization out there willing to put her in this position, why the hell wouldn't she? Exactly. Why wouldn't anyone? Yes, I understand that when it when it comes down to listing greats of all time, we probably won't put Kayla in there. 
simply because if we don't get a higher level fight for her, then we don't put her in in the that legacy category. But who cares? She's going to be leaving this sport when she finally does with big fat pockets. And that's yes. that's basically what this is. Prize fighting. Because everyone is fighting for the prize of money. So I don't really mind it. I I I I dig Kayla. I can't help it. I do. I like her. I like Larissa too. I think man, I was so happy for Larissa. I was about to cry right there with her. Yeah, but that anyway. was the heartwarming thing. But I mean, as far as this fight goes, as far as Lad and Bud, yeah. uh, the battle of the two uh, the, the the people that end in duds. Um, this fight was not a dud. This fight was dope. This fight was really like after the first round, it got to be crazy fun, and I did not expect it to be as as uh, as as wily as it was, and I was uh, surprised to see that Lad had the composure she had against an established veteran who's as strong as Bud is. So that was actually really good. Yeah. Then we get to our heavyweight fight, and blessed be it was short and violent and a okay. Ante Dalia taking on Mateus Chaffel, and it ended inside of three minutes with a knockout due to a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of punches. Sweet. Crisp next. Yeah. <laughs> Co-main event. Brendan Longname versus Bubba Jenkins. That was a firebomb of a fight. I loved it. Back and forth action. Dana White was so stupid to pass on Brendan Lucknane. This yeah. kid is the future. I really like what I'm seeing from him. He's durable. He came back from his um I believe he took a loss recently. Let me yeah. let me just go back and lost earlier in the year. Yeah, it um it was actually last year. It was about a year ago against yeah. Movlid Kaibulayev and or Kaibulayev. Anyways, uh, he he bounced back incredibly well. Chris Wade and Bubba Jenkins are not walks in the park. So I I just I'm really happy for him. I like the guy a lot. And I, I can't wait to see him fight some more. And and kudos to Bubba Jenkins, too. He put on one hell of a fight himself. I, I know it ended in a, in a KO and everything, but still, it was a great fight. We got four and a half rounds, too. You know, it wasn't something that ended in the first round. We got a solid fight out of them. You, you got to remember, man, for people like us that have to watch all these fights, you're looking at a proposition where six of these fights are five rounds each. And every when, when you look at the intricacies of, of uh, broadcasting with MMA, if you have a regular fight, three rounds, 15 minutes, you're usually allotted about a half hour per programming block. This this is not that. This is like an hour potentially for each fight. So it's like it's you're grateful that you're getting some of these finishes. The pacing didn't seem as bad. Even though I didn't watch it live, the pacing at least didn't seem as terrible as some of the UFC events. So I'm grateful that that happened. Um, and, and that's good because I mean, for the main event to end in a decision, uh, at least it was a thrilling decision mm-hmm. and, and it was way more, uh, it was, it was, this is a way better fight than I expected. It sure was. Uh, and now, you know, we've already discussed most of it, but Larissa Pacheco and Kayla Harrison, what a fight. And I did notice one thing with Kayla. She got tired. It's the first time I've ever seen her, seen her tired. But I think that she has been so dominant with all of her opponents, Larissa included, where that no one's ever been able to lift a round off of her or anything like that, that when Larissa put up this massive fight, tooth and nail, 
She wasn't expecting her to fight that hard. Larissa was not going home without giving every ounce of herself in that fight. And I I thought it was fantastic. I loved it. Absolutely. And and that's, you know, the 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 way that she was able to outwork and out hustle Kayla working the uh, takedown defense to the degree that she did. That was once everything started clicking in the second and third rounds, it was like, yeah, this is we got ourselves a real fight now. And uh, yeah, man, congratulations to Larissa. You know, third time really was the charm. You know, the 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 um, the unstoppable juggernaut that was Judo Kayla. Uh, you know, unfortunately, she didn't didn't get to it this time. But you know, uh, I I don't doubt that she's going to redouble her efforts and uh, you know just come back even harder at this. And now we actually have someone that can be something of a rival for her in PFL finally. Right. And it didn't look that way after after the way these previous two fights had gone. But, man, I, I, I don't mind these two fighting another three, four times. I don't care. Sure. Good. Yeah, um, I'm down for the fourth fight for sure. Um, and, and that's the fight to make. It really is. So I believe Kayla has two fights left on her contract. I'd be fine if they were both with Larissa. Yeah. Absolutely. There's really nobody else over there. I don't even think Aspen has anything for her. I I. I I don't even put her in the category right now. We'll have to see if she's <laughs> if she's able to do anything uh, of substance. But I I would be just fine if it's just Kayla and Larissa for both of Kayla's last two fights. But anyways, we must move on. So Victor, what have you got for us? Well, I got a little thing with another guy, and I think you all know him pretty well. His name is Conor McGregor. You heard of this guy? You know about this? Jay Leno impression. <laughs> So Conor McGregor took exception to Anthony Smith, who had talked about McGregor's physique and recovery and everything else. And if you have not caught up, I'll give you a very brief, a very succinct uh, um, layout of what took place here. So Anthony Smith has been looking at the social media. He was asked, you know, about what's been going on with McGregor, what his view as a fighter, as someone who's been around the block is regarding this whole thing. And he said, quote, it bothers the fuck out of me that he pulled himself out of the USADA pool. There's only one reason you would do that. He's looking jacked as shit. He keeps seeing videos of him flexing in front of mirrors and screaming, and he's huge. He healed really fast, like really fast. Now McGregor went on to Twitter because, of course, he did. He said, this rat spoke to Weidman, <laughs> who had the same uh, horrific injury and is having severe complications still, is bothered that I was able to heal or slash return to a normal way of life. He, like many other rats in my game, would be happier if I wasn't able to play with my children the same again. Buddy, you're not in the same division. I don't know why you're talking to this guy or about him like you're going to face off or something. It doesn't really make sense to me. But he happened to post that with a picture of himself yet again looking really, really jacked. And I will grant you that, yes, there are steroids. There are substances that people take for recovery. They are not the same as the anabolic sort that you would take for, say, increasing and maintaining muscle mass or uh, EPO to increase and uh, affect your endurance and durability. I would imagine that given the uh, finicky nature of USADA, that maybe, just maybe, this is one of those things that he's got to clear between you know himself, his doctor, and USADA to make sure that he's not running afoul of any regulations and he's not taking anything that's on the banned substance list and all that. But McGregor wasn't done. Quote, the audacity of this loser uh, you're a uh, Lionheart Smith. You're a loser. The percentage of bones joining back after a break like this is so low. You think I give a fuck about anything else? 
I am the most tested fighter of all time in combat sport. I give everything to this game. You, nothing. <laughs> and then it just keeps going. It's just him talking. And then he goes on. He makes fun of Anthony Smith and how he got injured and all this other. Like, it's not really. It didn't really lead to anything positive because, of course, it did. Well, he, uh, McGregor said that he wanted to wait until February and then be able to, like, you know, wade the waters of the USADA pool again. Uh, USADA said, excuse me, I'm not sure what you think is going on here. Because, you see, due to some entrepreneuring here, it was revealed that McGregor had not been tested by USADA at all in the entirety of this year, the year of Tito Puente, 2022. And uh, he doesn't have any tests to return anytime soon. You can't book him for a fight three months from now because he still needs to be in the pool and wait six months before he's able to step into a game. Now, finally, USAD has been given some sort of a comment after addressing the issue with ESPN. And they stated that he indeed confirming that he needs to be in the testing pool for six months before returning to competition. Their quote is the following. Quote, McGregor is not enrolled in our testing pool and would have to be for six months unless an exception is granted, which we do not think would be applicable. Okay, so in that case, if he does in fact come back in February, if he enters the testing pool and his recovery is uh, done, uh, his course of medications and treatment are done by February, six months afterwards would be August. That's about as soon as you can expect him to be back. Now, ignoring his age, ignoring his mileage, ignoring all that other stuff. Steffi, I want to know, what do you make of the way that all of this is handled? Because the UFC has already allowed for the messaging to escape them. They have no control over this narrative whatsoever. And now you've got an affiliate company in USADA coming in and saying this and potentially casting a bit of a shadow on the legitimacy of this whole situation. Because if they do decide to make an exception, for McGregor due to a quote-unquote extenuating circumstances, what have you. What is that even, what would even be the purpose of testing anyone at all, right? I mean, you're already clearly showing favoritism, but to do it in this manner, I mean, would they actually pull the trigger on him disregarding any potential heat that this would bring on them? And if so, I mean, what would that even lead to? I don't think that they will because USADA actually came out and said that. See, This whole thing stems from Brock Lesnar, because if we remember, he didn't have to do the whole testing phase. He only did, I believe, three and a half months. And there was nothing set in the policy saying that that exception could be made. So they actually added it in after that Brock Lesnar incident. But if you you must prove extenuating circumstances or that it would be manifestly, and I'm using their words, this is uh, totally in quotation marks, it would be manifestly unfair to the athlete to deny them to uh, speed up the testing process. So basically, there's nothing manifestly unfair to Connor because he could have come back sooner, but he decided to film a movie instead. So I have a sneaking suspicion that he was on steroids for a lot longer than a medically prescribed course. Now, I am a retired nurse. I was a nurse for 13 years. I have worked the orthopedics wards, although my specialty was pediatrics. But anyways, when I rotated through orthopedics, 
they do not prescribe steroids for leg breaks for longer than a few weeks. That's how your course goes. And then you take a break. And they might, if they determine that you're not healing well, etc., they might put you on another course. They might have it staggered off, but they do not basically let you go on anabolic steroids for 18 months straight. You heal much faster than that, for starters. And even in test studies, the standard course is 4 to 12 weeks in test studies. So for Connor to be out here walking around at possibly 200 pounds with a body change that even Ray Charles could have seen, I mean, it's insanity. And I think that with USADA coming right out and boldly stating we don't see there being a a reason for an exception, I think that they kind of drew the line in the sand. And if the UFC decides to erase that line, it's in black and white for everyone to see because so many outlets pick this up. So now we get to turn turn our sights on to the UFC if they decide to traipse over the line and go ahead and grant him an exemption. Because what would be manifestly unfair to him? What what would be the circumstance? And what is the extenuating circumstance? Again, the movie. The extenuating circumstances would be those giant bags that the Beagle Boys used to pull out of Scrooge McDuck's bin with the big dollar sign on it. That's... <laughs> That big goofy ass JJ Wentworth commercial, the guy standing there with a big bag with with the dollar sign on it like that. That's that's the motivation right there. I mean, does the UFC need this kind of headache? You know, I, I don't really I mean, no one's going to no one's going to stop them. Clearly. Right. Legally, there's no real way for them to just not do this and to blow off. You saw it, I'm sure. But I, is this really the kind of situation that if you can avoid you're just still going to jump into i don't really think that that's wise but then again i'm not running the company they uh they've already set their pace they know how they handle their stuff and that's there's nothing really we can do about any of it that's true all right so we are going to move on into our next topic and it's a kind of a doozy and it took me by surprise MMA manager Ali Abdelaziz, a.k.a. he who should not be named but often is, has stated that Aljo is fighting Henry Cejudo next. It is done. That's a direct quote. He gave that quote to John Morgan. I am in shock. It's done. The UFC said it's done. He knows it's done, and I understand he wants a different fight, but the man never lost his belt. He's a two-time champion, defended both belts, and he left on his own. He didn't leave because he lost or he was injured. He just needed time off. That was also a direct quote to um, John Morgan from the underground. So, I like this. This part here that says, he knows it's done and I understand he wants a different fight. Well, you think? (laughs) Okay, here's, here's my take on this. If Henry Cejudo wants a different fight, I would advise that because coming back after two and a half, almost three years against Aljamain Sterling, who has probably equally as good wrestling and a lot more height and length and range and pretty decent boxing now, mm, I don't think I'd want to come back to that either. But, you know, title, uh, big title, purse, bump, things like that, you know. Those things kind of figure in. Although, 
Ali Abdelaziz is your manager, and the first time you won your belt, you did it for a paltry 100 grand. Maybe he could talk you down. <laughs> anyways, we all know. We if, all know what runs what really runs this economy, cheap immigrant labor. Now, if it's Aljo that doesn't want this fight, he wants a different fight, I completely understand that. Because here I am coasting along thinking, you know what? Sugar Sean just beat the number one guy. Sugar Sean is a much bigger fight in general as far as marketing value because Sugar Sean has a lot more marketing pull than Henry Cejudo. And people, I don't know why, people want to see Sugar Sean fight, you know, obviously because he's got them hands. But I mean, I just think that he came out of nowhere and he's like the most unlikely superstar in the making of I think I've ever seen I mean he kind of reminds me of a really emaciated screech and well just think you know thug screech that's what I think of him as is thug screech but I just feel like that would have been the bigger fight and maybe it could have even headlined a card but now you've got Henry Cejudo so guess what that's going to be a co-main event again Aljamain Sterling is never going to headline a card at this rate. What do you think? I mean, maybe. I I don't know if headlining still means he doesn't get pay-per-view points. I I guess it depends on his contract. Only guys that get pay-per-view points are champs. So whether he headlines or not, he'll get some points if he's on that deal. Because some champs don't have points. They choose a side letter. Right. That's or, why that's why I wanted yeah. to be sure that I mentioned that exactly. if he's if he's in that, right. Um yeah, I know somebody's gonna probably come out, you know, Henry was born in the United States. Shut up. Let me get my immigrant jokes off, okay? That's the only way I know how to cope. Let me let me handle my trauma in my own way. Uh yeah, this fight, uh I guess. Well, from a marketing standpoint, if you are lazy, as the USA marketing team is. And you want to have the quick, easy buck, then you bring in the guy who was indeed a dual champ who never lost his belt in the cage and who uh, has the Olympic pedigree and everything else. I mean, sure, you you want to strike while the iron's hot and give this guy a good opportunity. Why not hot shot him into the title? But then, God, you look at the time away. I mean, had this just been a year and a half, I understand, but not this long. You know, and not against this version of Sterling. I don't know. I mean, I think maybe this might be a situation where Cejudo might be a day late and a dollar short. Um, And he's not the draw. He's never been. He's never been a draw. I looked at the numbers for his cards. He's never been a draw. Sean O'Malley has been a draw. Like when they do the 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 numbers for certain fights, like Jedi Goodman does the bracketing where that, you know, this fight at this particular time during this time frame drew this many viewers. Cejudo's never been a draw, but Sugar Sean is a huge draw, which is why I was so shocked that they went ahead and gave, you know, if this is the truth, if they're giving this to Cejudo, they're literally leaving money on the table by not making O'Malley Sterling. Ah, that's the geniuses at work. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I, I I, can only see this as a hustle. I mean, you know, there's one guy managing both fighters. Yeah. Uh, you know, like you got to look at it that Wait, way wait, too. wait. Hold on. Ali manages Sugar Sean? No, no, no. I'm in Sterling and, and no, Sugar. Uh, Ali doesn't manage um, um, Aljamain? No, I thought he did. No. no. No, not that. Well, I am mistaken. 
Yeah, I find I believe Aljamain is right. Hang on. Give me one moment and I will tell you. Man. He's not with Paradigm, is he? Last time I he checked, is he was. with Paradigm. Yes, he is. Oh, well, yes, look at that. He is with that. Oh, imagine. Well, okay, that takes that down. And the only other tinfoil hattery that I'll, that I'll engage in is, you know, Ali elbowed his way into the office and said, aha, I got him. And then it's like, cool, there's my payday. Here's your guy. Let's make this bout happen. Although I'll tell you what, the O'Malley fight, unless they're looking to protect O'Malley and then make sure and if O'Malley is in a situation where he says, you know what, I'm not fighting unless it's for the title next. Uh, that's the only way I can see him not fighting Cejudo at this and I mean look well maybe not the only way because there's a, there's so many weird and stupid ways for this thing to go sideways no matter what I don't love it but I don't exactly hate it either I mean yeah these guys are gonna uh, have a very interesting lead up and uh, I can only assume it's going to get weirder and more uncomfortable as things go on because Cejudo just doesn't know really how to talk shit and you know, Sterling is uh, in his prime and he's doing extraordinary work and his, his work ethic and his recent rebound uh, in, in, in after losing to or, you know, the, the so-called win against Petr Jan, which we know what that was. Uh, he's made the most of his situation. He looks like he is, I don't want to say unstoppable, but certainly not anywhere near as vulnerable as it looked maybe three or four years ago or whenever the hell Sahuda left. So good luck with that. I don't really think that's going to, uh, if he thinks that this is going to be easy money, the way Dillashaw might have expected it to be, then yeah, that's uh, you, you, you gonna have a big surprise, my friend, coming down the pipe for you. I was wrong about all Joe's management. I'm gonna read some stuff to you that just happened in the last week and a half. Okay, so Aljo was with Paradigm for a while, and then he moved on to a company called Vayner Sports Agency. Oh, no, no. Hold on, on. I'm not done. Just let me finish. Yeah, yeah. a firm headed up by AJ and Gary Vaynerchuk. They represent some of the biggest stars in sports from football to baseball and now MMA, but Sterling did not think he was getting his worth there. So you know what he's doing now? Victor, you're going to hate this. He's mm-hmm. representing himself. Okay, no, wait, no, I, I hang on, hang on. I'm sorry. You are not. You are not correct. I don't hate it. It's better than being stuck to a fucking parasite. Oh, like I know. I know. Gary I know. <laughs> Way better than Gary V, a man who knows nothing about anything other than just get other people suckered in to make money making deals so he can boost. That's it. Yeah. That's the only thing. The hatred I have for that man is immeasurable. So, I mean, him getting away is actually, you're probably way better off on your own. I would prefer he joined Paradigm again. <laughs> they, they, they seem to treat their fight as well. I, I would hope that that would be the situation that he finds himself in later on. But Jesus Christ, anybody, anybody signing with Gary Vee, like, that's that's even dumber than signing with the Cowboys, if you'll believe it. Yeah, for sure. And then you have all the stuff with Ali, always controversy around Ali. And now I'm hearing that Ali wants to sell dominance MMA because it's interfering with things and nobody really wants to buy it because dominance MMA was so successful because Ali was booking all the fights. You see what I'm saying? The athlete stable isn't as valuable without the guy in there setting them up with their money-making fights. You know what, man? Monty Cox did nothing wrong. Bring him back. <laughs> Bring him back. I don't care. He underreported his income. He didn't pay the tax, man. Eh, who's among us? 
who hasn't who hasn't lied about six figures? <laughs> <Here and there. laughs> you, know? you look at the caliber of scumbag that this sport allowed. Is this really? Can, do you really want to hold it against him for how long? Come on, send me this data. He's paid his karmic debt and hopefully paid the IRS as well. Let you just stop. Let the man cook. So, what do we have next? Yeah, well, speaking of cooking, we're going to have a clumsy transition to the next thing in which we will be. <laughs> Uh, talking about someone we touched on already, Jan Blachowicz. Uh See, all this, um, all this stuff regarding the title picture was very surprising, but it was mostly surprising to him because I guess nobody told him. You'd think <laughs> that maybe there would be some sort of a courtesy call or an email or a carrier pigeon. I mean, there's no lack of options for you to communicate things with a fighter, but yeah, uh, Jan went on Twitter and said this, quote, that was the craziest several hours ever. I left Warsaw to take place to take part in the Eliminator match, and a few hours later, I've arrived as a title challenger. I'm ready. Keep fingers crossed. Then uh, mentioning Yuri, huge respect for your conduct. Get well. Uh, yeah, well, that's not the only thing. He, he had this, and so we just arrived to Vegas yesterday. Uh, today is the first training. Get acclimated. Get used to the weather and happy because title shot, main event, amazing. That's crazy because I didn't know nothing. I was on. I was in the plane ten hours, and I was the last person to know that my fight will be for the title. So I wish Yuri a very fast recovery. But it is what it is. We've got the title shot, so perfect. I'm happy, ready for it. Look, uh, can we can we address the fact that as bad as it might be, Wi-Fi on a flight is essential, buddy. Pay the ten bucks. It's not that hard. You can make it happen. I mean, in some some flights, it's just included as a gratuity. How did he go on a plane for 10 hours and nobody... How does he not have some way of being communicated? 10 hours? Like, I get it. Maybe a cross-country flight, four or five hours. 10? Jesus. Okay. I mean, I guess. Whatever. You know, the uh, UFC nice to... got him flying in a fucking cracker box with no <laughs> Wi-Fi so they could cut the corners. Poor they dude him, was they probably got him out there. The seat, he probably had his hands out the windows flapping his arms. He's, he's, <laughs> he's got Kid Cloud Kicker in the back of the he's plane got, hanging off the He's a got thread. a pack of balloons and a helium tank. And then he got a guy on one of those little accordion blowers. <laughs> Just jumping up and down on a thing to keep it moving forward. Oh my god, I'm crying. That's good, man. That's really good. Good stuff. Oh, this was good back and forth. On a boat. Just have, just have, yeah, just have. Listen, ever play Wind Waker here? Just blow into the sail. We'll be all right. He's Works got his can body. with his string going all the way to Las Vegas to Davis. Just strengthen them bitch as long as you got. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I forgot where we are, but you were talking. No, I don't. About don't worry, I remember. That's fine. So, look, man, I mean, it's not as bad as I thought because when you hear about this this giant shakeup and how nobody told one of the major participants in it, um, you usually you would expect that it's the usual. Uh, sort of dropping the ball like they did with Liz Carmouche, where they, they didn't tell her she was released, even though she was on a tour for a promotional event for the UFC. Somebody could have told you right. that. But they were going to squeeze every drop out of her before they did. <laughs> yeah, you just, you know, like, you're not going to need that camo anymore. You won't need to blend in in the office today. You're like, no, it's no, no. This, this at least was less bad, maybe, and I'm glad that Jan is at least taking it in good spirits, but 
how drastically do you think this affected him? I mean, I, he seems like he's very positive about this whole adventure. What do you make of this whole situation, especially in the manner in which Jan is in? Well, for him, it's just nothing but roses because he's competing in another title fight. And just that by itself gives him some clout, you know, title challenger. If he decides to leave the UFC at some point and take up somewhere else, which I hope he doesn't because he's kind of long in the tooth. And I hope when he's done with the UFC, that's that's it. But that kind of clout goes a long way with with organizations and he can he can take that around with him. I think it's it's pretty awesome. His opponent didn't change. The only thing that changes is that it's now five rounds. And on 10 days, 12 days, what what was it? Two and a half weeks, excuse me. On two and a half weeks notice, I think that'll that'll work out. I don't think it's as drastic as day of or week of. He at least got two and a half weeks to uh to deal with this and kudos to him for flying out very early. Most guys don't fly out that soon because he got the news two and a half, you know, the day of, which was two and a half weeks out. It wasn't the Joe Soto sweepstake. No, not at all. Not at all. Nobody wants to be in the Joe Soto. <laughs> That's like, Whoa, shit. I didn't sign up for all this. Yeah. Okay. I guess. I'm not, hmm. you know, here's the thing about this card. I am not as excited about it as I once was. Will I watch it? Of course I will. But I'll tell you what is odd to me is that this weekend's fight night card is way better than this this UFC 282 card. It was way better even with Yuri and Glover on it. Because with Yuri and Glover on it, it was basically... I don't know, one, two fight card with some, some good filler in there. You know... Robbie Lawler isn't must-see TV anymore. Uh, and it pains me to say that because Robbie Lawler is my all-time favorite fighter. But he's not must-see TV anymore. But there's some fights on this weekend's card that are pretty damn good. And there's a lot of them. So I'm looking at it and I'm thinking to myself, this card, this UFC 282 card, took a huge hit when they lost Yuri and Glover. It took a huge hit. It, the numbers are going to be in the tank. For sure. They might, be. they might be. They don't look good. Yeah. All right. We are going to move on to our last topic, my favorite one, other notable moments from combat sports. And I'm going to start with the yucky one first. I'm saving the good one for last. So there was this horrific leg injury that didn't start off horrific. About a month and a half ago, well, five weeks ago, Armin Petrosian and A.J. Dobson fought. And A.J. Dobson lost, but in that loss, he ended up with a hematoma on his shin. And he posted a series of photographs. And at first, it just looks like a knot on his shin. And you think, damn, that dude got quite a goose egg there. No no big deal. And then the next one, it's bigger. And now the skin is, it's looking like it's stretched to the breaking point, but it hasn't broken yet. It's also discolored. It's starting to get light in some areas and dark in the center. And then the third picture, Jesus Christ, I was not prepared for it. And it is wide open and it look it has a huge crater and it's dark there's a lot of tissue necrosis it looks like a nasty staph infection happening but it is actually an abscess it is bad victor did you see it i did and i regret it 
I did not enjoy this. I'm glad that once again, Kristen King, our little sister, doing the hero's work, carrying that burden, man, that yeoman's platter that she decides to eat for breakfast every morning and says, <laughs> yep, I'm going to do it. I'm going to touch the violence button. And uh, yeah, man, that shit was gross. I mean, it's not like Kevin Randleman's underarm gross. No, no, nothing like that. I mean, that you could fit not, a whole... No. You could put a softball in that thing, but this was... Well, yeah. In fact, he did. Yeah. <laughs> Which is even worse. You know, but... Uh, uh, this... Shout out to Kevin Randleman for the most sage advice possible. Wash your ass. It's <laughs> 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 just two minutes straight just explaining why it's necessary to wash between your crevices. What a Speaking hero. Speaking of said. washing an ass, our, our last story here is about water. And about poop. You know, mm. so basically, you know, poop comes from an ass, but here it is. Oh, Patty, does it? Okay. Patty the Batty is kind of a cool dude. You know that? He's very left-leaning, which appeals to me as a left-leaner myself. Um, I love his little fuck the Tories thing. But <laughs> what really got me and tells me that he's a good dude is that he takes his dog for a walk in his neighborhood, in his little area, and his dog took a dump in a neighbor's yard. And <laughs> I guess it was so messy that his he carries his poop bags. It was so messy that he couldn't even get it properly with the poop bag. So he goes to the door, he <laughs> rings the doorbell, and the woman's ring doorbell catches him. And you can tell it's in his neighborhood because she knew right away who he was. Is that Patty the Batty? And he says, oh. yes, my dog just took a proper shit, the sloppy shit. And I, I lost it. He said, my dog took a proper sloppy shit on your lawn and i was wondering if you had a hose that i could water it down because i couldn't get it into the poopy bag (laughs) i mean why do you go from proper sloppy shit to saying poopy bag (laughs) why did he decide to censor himself on that one but still i just i love everything about it in an era where common courtesy is a bygone thing this is kind of cool I, I would imagine that. I, I mean, I'm guessing since the problem was with poop and not pee, that the uh, that Patty's dog is neutered because everyone knows pee is stored in the balls. Uh, <laughs> no, this this was, I guess, this was a very kind gesture. It's just funny how he, this big goofy looking dude with his mop of hair and he's just doing the the most polite uh, schoolboy thing, like, "Hey, man, lady, 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 my dog just took a rip and shit." And I need to clean it up. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> all right, guy. You know what? You know what? Most people wouldn't think of it. He's offering to come back and clean it himself. That was yeah. the big one to me. That's when I was like, man, that's really kind of him. He's got a big heart. And then I'm also thinking, wow, what the hell did that dog eat? But beside that, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, it, it's just one of those small, cool gestures that you see. It's like, okay, these are people. You know, and I, you know that going in, you understand that outside of the confines of fighting, these people have their own, they're, they're, they may not behave in the same brash and weird way that they do when it's the lights coming on and all that. But, you know, this was, this was nice. This was very, this was, uh, it, I think it speaks to a degree to, to what kind of person you are. It's like that, uh, that online test of like, you're a monster if you don't put the shopping cart away when you go to the supermarket, mm-hmm. it's a similar vibe, you know, and I kind of respect that. So, uh, all misgivings aside, all the uh, 
unsavory things, shall we say, that he's uh, said online in his past. Uh, yeah, you know, we can put that aside and look at this isolated and say, yeah, this was this was good, good for him. Are you a shopping cart monitor? No, I mean I'm not. I'm not a like I'm not going to go report it. But I I look at that the same way I look at someone that flicks a cigarette out a window in their car. Oh. I just look at them with disgust. The reason I ask is because I am also a shopping cart monitor. Uh, there yeah, have been times when I've gone around and and rounded up everything on two rows of cars <laughs> no. because I hate it. Yeah, no, I just that's just there's just behaviors that you look at people just like ugh. What's wrong with you? Like, you know, you and know, that's just one of them. Like, come on, man. Like, we're, we're trying to work together as a society. Can we not, please? Yeah. And you look at them and you just know they don't wash their feet when they're in the shower. Ugh. They probably don't. Those are the <laughs> ones that are going on Twitter talking about, well, I don't need to scrub my legs. The water, the the soap runs down and the water does too. And you're like, oh, okay. It's all so right. gross. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway. All right. So that's going to wrap up our show. Do me a favor. Follow this guy right here, Victor Sinister Rodriguez on Instagram. I'm starting with Instagram because I got mixed up there. So that's okay. Not to- not meant not much in the way of Thanksgiving photos and not any pictures of me washing my legs, but maybe soon. Maybe the MMA OnlyFans will happen soon. <laughs> Give us the feet pictures. Follow him on Twitter at Vic M Rodriguez. Follow Mookie on Twitter too. He's at Mookie Alexander, and you can catch Mookie's work over on SB Nation's Field Goals website. Um, you can follow me and Victor on Bloody Elbow, where we work. You can listen to the pre-recorded outro and find out where you can listen to this show and all the rest of the Bloody Elbow shows. So, until next time, please stay safe. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Vivis Section, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, Sixth Round Retro, the MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, and Radio Style Play by Play for every UFC pay per view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow. Facebook at facebook.com slash bloody elbow blog and as always on bloodyelbow.com.